Hello. The year of 2012 has already, quite literally, gone down in history, and its entry for the United Kingdom in the online dictionary Wikipedia celebrates, amongst other notables, the London Olympic Games, the Diamond Jubilee of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, and the victory of Andy Murray in the US Open, the first British male to win a Grand Slam event since Fred Perry in 1936. This was particularly fitting in so much that the last female Brit to triumph in a Grand Slam, Virginia Wade's memorable victory over Betty Stover at Wimbledon, also secured her place in history in a jubilee year, Her Majesty's Silver One of 1977. Gosh, was it that long ago? Anyway, back to my Wikipedia entry, and I noticed that Jamie Oliver's latest cookery masterpiece of the time, Jamie's 15-minute meals, hit the shelves in 2012 so I think I can justifiably lay a portion of blame on his shoulders for deflecting public attention from a humble tome of mine that was also published in that year, but from which I can at least take solace that, unlike Mr Oliver's, mine was officially launched at the International Festival of Glass in Starbridge. The significance of the festival will become apparent, but first I will enlarge on the book. No, this isn't a shameless plug to boost sales. In fact, I needn't even mention the title, but simply state that it was the official account of a remarkable project by a team of established craftsmen and women, led by a lifelong glassman, Mr Ian Jury, to recreate the Portland Vase, one of the most enigmatic examples of Roman cameo glass the world has ever seen. 2,000 years old and of uncertain origins, this iconic piece currently resides in the British Museum and remains an example of glassmaking skills sans pareil. Inspired by a desire to dispel mischievous myths and show that the requisite skills are still extant in Starbridge, Ian set about replicating the Portland vase together with various other artefacts from the period and he very graciously invited me to record the event from start to finish. So there you have it. The book's publication led to the inevitable round of speaking engagements. And it is here that I noticed the continuance of a phenomenon that I'd already been tackling for some time past. The number of people who believed the Starbridge glass industry was, like the Monty Python parrot, dead, quite dead, ceased to be, expired, gone. <laughs> Yet here was I, presenting details of a momentous undertaking, offering the clearest evidence to the contrary. Most curious. As long ago as the early 18th century, the satirist Jonathan Swift, he of Gulliver's Travels, observed that falsehood flies and the truth comes limping after it. Oh, how true. Once a story takes hold, it's the devil's own to uproot it. So, let me give this one my best shot. Admittedly, the Starbridge industry can no longer supply thousands of items of glassware as it wasn't did for the likes of the White Star Line, owners of RMS Titanic. When luminaries of the day, including the Astors, Strausses and other wealthy passengers, enjoyed their last meal in the doomed vessel's lavish first-class dining room on Sunday the 14th of April 1912, exactly a century before London's latest Olympic year, it also hosted them in 1908 and 1948. They would have imbibed from some of the finest glass ever produced by Stuart Crystal. The respective date obscures an unfortunate coincidence. RMS Olympic was a sister ship to Titanic, but there the happenstance ends. The descent from such lofty attainments was a protracted and painful one that was reflected across the entire industry, 
with Stewart's being amongst the last of the major players to finally shut its doors in 2001. This did bring to a close what one might refer to as the heavyweight side of manufacturer, but the ensuing implication that glassmaking has not survived is far from accurate. There are still companies in Stourbridge and the surrounding area that produce glass from decorative to specialist, together with a number of skilled engravers and decorating outlets. But it's the studio glass movement that has transformed the concept of glassmaking both here and further afield. The movement is credited with starting in America and burgeoning in the 1960s before spreading to Europe and the UK, Australia and the Far East. Studio glassmakers use glass as a medium to produce decorative or functional sculptures, artwork and vessels, which are a statement on the part of their creator. The studio glass movement has transformed how glass is both used and perceived as a medium, and, as with any art form, has produced its maestros. In America, Dale Chihuly has become revered worldwide as a virtuoso. He's single for reference here by dint of a piece of his having been acquired for the new White House Cohen Museum of Glass in Wordsley. The museum has been created on the site of the former Stuart Works by the British Glass Foundation, which was itself only constituted as recently as 2010. Closer to home, a trawl through the internet will reveal entire directories of Starbridge glass artists who work in or have connections with the Starbridge area. Development of the former Webb Corbett site by the Ruskin Mill Trust, the internationally recognised Red House Glass Cone and the arrival of the White House Co Museum of Glass offer a fresh opportunity, hitherto never possible, for these distinct elements of the industry to coalesce, not only to promote the glass industry, but as part of the inclusive strategy for business, tourism, heritage and leisure that brings together the constituents of this unique region in a cohesive interpretation. The limestone mines of Dudley, the Black Country Living Museum and the local canal system are just three examples of attractions that already draw visitors here in their hundreds of thousands every year and which are inextricably linked with the glass industry. The growing national appreciation of the importance of our heritage is also reflected locally in all manner of reserves, specially designated sites, areas of interest and heritage trails. Glassmakers, like the boaters of old, are characteristically diffident and not generally prone to personal braggadocio. Though, whilst perhaps reticent to flaunt the light glowing beneath their bushels, there should be no compunction in reminding others precisely where those bushels lie. As Dag Hammarskjöld, Swedish diplomat and second Secretary-General of the United Nations, once observed, our duty, our reward, our destiny are here and now. Massive investment, a brand new museum, a burgeoning studio glass movement, a myriad retail and other outlets, all within the compass of a few square miles. And all the focus of a biennial celebration, the International Festival of Glass I mentioned earlier, during which believers come from across the globe to this small corner on the southwest fringe of the black country to celebrate their passion for glass. A moribund industry? Pfft. It is difficult to envisage a higher concentration of glass activity in all its diversity in any other part of the world. And let us not forget those tendrils that continue to spread far and wide. One of these is in fact close to the barn in nearby Hay on Wye. There's a delightful little workshop and gallery whose proprietors trained at the former Brawley Hill Glass Centre, later to become the International Glass Centre, a catalyst in the careers of numerous outstandingly talented exponents. The Starbridge glass industry has suffered grievously, but has adapted and survived. 
and will, if the accruing evidence is to be our touchstone, continue to flourish on the world stage. And why not? When it's already rained fishes and then frogs, it's an ill-advised soothsayer who dares tell you the cats and dogs cannot possibly follow. Enjoy your black country, and do join me again soon for more tales from the barn.